All right, we're live. We are back. First time in a week we've been back recording, which is kind of crazy because we did like seven episodes or six episodes or whatever amount of episodes in such a short amount of time. Um, as you all know, this is a Leafs podcast. Oh, yeah. However, we're going to move away from talking about the Leafs for a little bit until the end of the Stanley Cup final and hear us out as to why. As always, join us, Josh, Josh and Jason. What up? How's it going? And we're going to go through why we're not going to talk about just the Leafs, which we usually do. And it's fun to do so for a little, little bit. Number one, first and foremost, there's some good hockey being played right now. Oh, yeah. And it's not Winnipeg versus Montreal. <laughs> no, it's not. But there's some other... In, south of the border, there's some good hockey being played right now. So why not talk about that? Number two, the stuff... That is being thrown around the Twitter.com website. I'm not sure if you are active on Twitter. I gave everyone a little sample of what it's like to be on Twitter on the Instagram story today. But it seems like some people just huff farts for 24 hours a day. Or if you're... I can't even remember. Who was the guy I posted about? Is what it the Boston his, guy? The yeah. Boston reporter? Yeah. Du, Dumont? Du, Dupont. Yeah. Dupont. That guy was doing PCP at 10 in the morning because that was just some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen. We're going to get into a couple of these tweets because why not? Why not? Not enough people criticize these stupid morons that go on Twitter and shoot their mouths off and then in four months you can go back and just recycle these tweets and go, hey, like you don't think this now, so what, what the hell are you saying here? Right? And I'll go... I'll go first. I'll go first with, I'll read out what I was putting out today. And Steve Dangle even addressed it without even addressing it, saying, you don't need to go after every stupid sports writer's dumb takes. And I went, well, Steve, let me live my life. <laughs> um, here it is. Kevin Paul DuPont quote tweeting some rando. The, the rando said, correct me if I'm wrong, but trading Tavares with salary retained leaves less cap space and a bigger hole to fill than just trading Nylander straight up, LOL. And Kevin Paul DuPont, Globe KPD, said, I would move Nylander and shop Tavares at 50 cents on the dollar. Opens up 12 and a half mil. We're not done. See if Florida will surrender Bobrovsky at 50 cents on the dollar. So the, the crazy thing is he's talking about like creating cap space, and his first suggestion is to trade a player but retain half of that player's cap hit for five more years. So n you no longer have the player, but don't worry. <laughs> you still incur six mil a year for five more years for nothing. <laughs> Shout out Phil Kessel. We're still like, paying that one off. But the problem is like, okay, some of these guys are just, you know, maybe misguided and don't think these things through. This guy just completely contradicted himself within one line of the tweet. Usually it takes a few months, and that's our next one. If you guys want to throw up that one, I've got it here. I don't know. The Steve Simmons tweet. Oh, that was oh, a good yeah. one. That Before was I was saying, hey, let's not talk about Steve Simmons. Let's not talk about Don Cherry. But then I realized there are not enough people behind a mic talking about how these people are so stupid and the stuff they say is so infuriating. I hope I said that word correctly. <laughs> and Gross. it just melts my brain. Like, like. Uh, Will the Wi-Fi screw this up? I hope not. Here we go. Steve Simmons. This is courtesy of Dirtbag Daddy <laughs> on Twitter. This is a great one. Steve Simmons, 
April 11th said Leafs' first priority was finding a left winger who can create space for first or second line forwards. They have their man in Nick Foligno, who is a pro's pro. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. I don't hate that. I like that. What's, what was wrong with that one? And then June 7th, ah, mm. 2021, okay, Steve Simmons from his verified account said Lula and Morello gave up a first-round pick and a fourth essentially for Kyle Palmieri. Palmieri has six playoff goals. Kyle Dubas gave up a first and two-fourths for round picks for Nick Foligno. Nick Foligno didn't score a playoff goal. He can read stats. That's good. He can go to NHL.com. But it's like, dude, you, you vouched for this. So does that mean so that you're weird. a fart brain too? Like he's he's, the, he's quite literally the worst like, human. Re- no, okay, I'm sure he's he's the worst reporter no, in, in the market. And there's some bad ones in Toronto. He is by far the worst. And Jason made a good point like earlier today. I don't think the state of sports jur- journalism in terms of newspapers has ever been this bad. And case no. in point as to why a like a subscription service such as the Athletic has become so popular. Because they're signing the actual talent, and these all yeah. these old timers are still. There's even some old timers at the Athletic who do a good job, but these, not no, they're Our not forward thinking. They're Rosie Demano has been writing for how long? Did you yeah. see her her tweet about Patrick Marlowe? She's also terrible. They're all they're, uh, That's why nobody reads the newspaper anymore, though. Really, like, like in our generation, no offense, nobody does it. So that's why the Athletic is so popular. But to the to the tweet itself, it's like, dude, just. We all know you love Nick Foligno. Like, that was like a perfect Steve Simmons move. Yeah, get some grit in the lineup. You can't just go back and... I guess you can, eh? Nobody holds holds his feet to the fire, so... Yeah, but we are going to now. I I didn't want to before because everyone shouts about it on Twitter, but then I realized that just kind of stays on Twitter. We Mm -hmm. need to bring that off of Twitter, that anger and that fire. Steve Simmons is a moron, and he's a clown, and I've had enough of this garbage coming from his mouth and even last the fact summer, that he has he, a platform is incredible remember what he did to matthews last summer back when it oh, wasn't as public who was getting covid or not like no you didn't the really COVID, know the william nylander front page yeah like that stuff I, I i can even tell he also asked such an idiotic question to matthews during the the uh postseason like end of season press conferences he asked him like oh are you aware that no team that's had Four guys oh, paid this God, ma- um, this it. amount has ever you know won a Stanley Cup. He's like, I don't know what you want me to answer that with. Like that's such a stupid question. What's he supposed to say? And you can just see like the absolute annoyed face of Austin Matthews when he hears Steve Simmons' voice asking him a question. I love this clap back. Remember last year? Yeah, last year he he told him off as he should have last year. Yeah, I I, I don't understand how that guy still gets press passes into. Into the the into Leafs, Toronto, uh, MLSC, yeah. MLSC must own Toronto Sun. I don't know. I'm and you just know spreading what? Fake news now. That's our that's our transition. I mean, do you want us to talk about once a week? Do you want us to come up here and talk about can you win with forty million dollars? What should we do with the defense? What should we do with the offense? Who should the Leafs go out and acquire? And then only have us in the middle of the summer talk about the same stuff, and then at the beginning of training camp talk about the same stuff. It's just going to get tired. All right. And so now transition. Transition. Let's go into some of the good that we've seen so far. Actually, let's get rid of, let's get, a, let's get this off of our plate here. Montre- or do you want to wait until Montreal Winnipeg is done? We yeah. still got it on right now. There's still five minutes left. Okay. All right. 
No, it's uh, overtime right now. Oh, is it done? Michael OT. Yeah, it's it in over. It's, oh, it's no, in. it's in the third period. Shows how much shows how encapsulating this series has been. Yeah, that's been. And yes, on. you know what? I'm a jealous Leafs fan that both of these teams are are in the second round, and the Leafs are not. It's it's disgusting to see that Pierre Luc Dubois is playing first line for a team in second round right now. Okay, let's let's talk about it. It's a, it's an easy segue. So, I I can understand if a lot of Leaf fans haven't been watching this series it's a little, it, it's or hard any to watch series. or any series that was a heart another heartbreaking loss but you know what if you want to get back into hockey we'll give you a little bit of a primer of what you missed and what to look forward to so exactly. i mean the montreal series has been as boring as a series could be really yeah which is i mean to be expected montreal kind of plays that style and when they win it's not fun we watched <laughs> we watched them win three in a row against us it was none of those games were very entertaining at all no. and i mean I think Joe and I predicted that it would be a pretty easy series win for Montreal. It's not over yet. I think Jason was on Winnipeg. I stick to what I said about well, Winnipeg. I mean, Shifley going out, that kind yeah, of. Uh, yeah. DeMello going out. That yeah, also. that hurt. But also, what I said before, this is the worst group, like six defensemen of a playoff team I've seen in a long time that I could remember. And it shows on the ice. The amount of defensive miscues that they've had, and it's been posted on the Rink Riot Report story. It's like almost comical at this point. It's it, it just terrible. Two, the amount of two-on-ones they've given up is, un, I don't know what the number is. It's unbelievable. Like, oh, it was incredible. When they were up, uh, the game that it was a one nothing Montreal win in game two, uh, I have it written down here that if, if Winnipeg is able to score, they were not because they suck. Um, it was because of Connor Hellebuck. He made two fantastic saves on Paul Byron and then Nick Suzuki. Paul He's Byron made amazing. a fantastic move going five hole there. He shut them down. Nick Suzuki is a very good skater, and he shut him down as well. Put it in an awkward spot. He was able to squeeze it, and then when he gave Winnipeg a chance. But guess what? Connor Hellebuck can't score goals for you either. No, he can't. And, and he- oh my God, in game one, just a, one more point. Kyle Connor, it was there was a challenge going on. It seemed it was game one or game two. It was Kyle Connor do something good for once because this guy was is an offensive player. He's not the best defensive player. He's an offensive player that was not generating offense and was just doing drive bys in the defensive zone. It was incredible to watch the, a coach like Paul Maurice would allow him to get away with stuff like that. Yeah, they they've been pretty much in shambles the whole series. Now they they have a chance to maybe extend it in overtime. But even the two goals they scored tonight, Logan Stanley scored their goals tonight. Oh my god, the second one, just after watching Price for those seven games against Toronto, and he's even been solid this series. Yeah, he has. <laughs> like holy, what the hell did it, it hurts? Well, I wish we could have got one of those, but I've been like hate watching this series. <laughs> no, it's hard to watch. I, I don't have that many really in-depth points about this series because to be quite honest if this series is on and for example colorado and vegas is on who's watching this and no one has like i'm I'm sure people in the local markets have but it's been a boring series i think winnipeg is really you know some of the decisions they make not to nitpick but like how is nick ehlers not on your first power play and i saw someone compare it to like Nylander not being on the first power play for they're the like one in the same players, but also the, <laughs> right now on this team with Shifley out, this is like Austin Matthews not being on the least first power play. That's how oh, yeah. effective Nikolai Ehlers has been this year. He's been an absolute stud for them this year. I would say he's been their best player this year by far. Yeah, Probably. absolutely. So I don't understand the thought process there. And even like why Pierre Luc Dubois? I hate this. Is a him and Josh Anderson. I obviously have something else for these two. He 
has just been ineffective all year. Oh, yeah. All year, ineffective. Oh, yeah. Is he, is he still in quarantine? <laughs> We're still waiting for him to come back? Oh. And it's funny because, like, just looking at that trade and, like, the how Rostovic was, well, at one point was a scratch. Mm-hmm. Patrick Laine had his worst year by two miles. He was miserable. He was miserable. And the funny thing was, you, you were getting traded from, for Dubois, you were getting traded from, like, Cleveland, Ohio to Winnipeg, Manitoba. Just, like, one in the same. I was like, I don't like it here. I, I can't do it. I, got, I need to change the scenery. And so they just send them further up north. It was just not much of a – I mean, different kind of landscape, but same sort of thing. <laughs> it's the Ohio of Canada. Yeah. And how much did Montreal luck out not, not landing him? Because weren't they the ones that were closest to getting him? They and were. They, they were wanted them to offer Nick Suzuki. <laughs> Oh, who is, by the way, better than Pierre Luc Dubois? So, but just to quiver here, or sorry, pivot quickly here. I mean, a lot. We did a lot of you know bash Winnipeg. I got to give Montreal credit; their depth has really pulled through this series. If you look at even just the distribution of like points and goals, it's it's very spread out, mm-hmm. and and they've been getting all four lines chipping, especially that fourth line. I mean, Corey Perry looks he, – he's all over the ice in these games. It's, he's, Eric he looks, Stahl looks hey, like Eric Stahl. Stahl. Joel Armia. Like, these guys are playing good hockey for them, and that's made a huge difference. They, this team reminds me of Minnesota, but with a really good goalie, honestly. They just uh, top down. I feel like you can't – like, they don't have any horrendous players. Like, all players, I think, contribute well. I think you mean the Minnesota of old. Like this Minnesota, year, still, this year, Kirill Kaprizov, I, Kevin Fiala. Uh, they definitely had a better team, but like I guess a pseudo Minnesota, not not as. I understand, but like the, I mean, like top down from de- like the depth. Their depth is insane. I think it, like yeah, all, all, they don't have all, insane, all good players that can not insane. Sorry, but all players that can contribute well, and like yeah. you're not worried about them whenever they're on the ice, and you can play but them. To me, it's almost like four thir- third lines. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it works for them though. It, it yeah. has been working because I'll guess what? The, the Jets don't have three even second pairings. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, so no, their depth gets really tested, and and that's what's pulled through for them so far. Oh, yeah. One Do, player I want to really highlight, like Cole Caulfield has been. Yeah, he's awesome. He's generating chances. He oh, looks yeah. really good. That goal that Nick Suzuki scored last game, like that's only going in because he zipped him the puck, like very hard, almost like a shot. And if Nick Suzuki was not leaning on his stick like he was, that was not going anywhere. It was going right by him. So, the the effectiveness of those two has been it's been decent. It's, it's exciting for the future of oh, Montreal. Yeah. I mean, to look look ahead a bit, does anyone think they could beat any of the teams left in the sec in the conference finals? Like, no matter who wins these series, like I saw a great tweet from Patrick Bacon. He was saying, like, doesn't Vegas just look like the type of team that Montreal can goalie? <laughs> Maybe a week ago, Vegas, not the Vegas that we've seen recently. Ooh, we'll get into that true. later. But, yeah, so I, I don't see them making any sort of noise after this round. I mean, people said all year the North Division's pretty weak. I mean, this has been pretty weak. Not that I agreed with the, what they were saying, but yeah, it's also— I mean, a, some of the top talent has been knocked out. Like, yeah. Jeff Petrie's not playing in this game. Obviously, Jonathan Drouin has not played at all in the playoffs. No Mark Shifley for the Jets. No, well, Dylan DeMello is kind of playing his depth role, but he's a good depth player. So, they are— I mean, it's not looking like the greatest series, but also when you have those pieces knocked out, it does kind of suck. Right? Also, I mean, the North Division was the Leafs. That was their mm-hmm. their powerhouse, but we're not going to get yeah. into that. So. Yeah, that was not fun. <laughs> Any final thoughts on this series? 
Um, I mean, it's been kind of that boring stuff. Carey Price has been solid again. Yeah. I mean, not the greatest offensive weapons to test him as of after post-game one, really. But the one disappointing thing, if I'm a Jets fan and I'm watching game three it was there, it was the Montreal Canadiens, I believe, had a 3-0 lead. And then the Jets came back and they scored like a, a transition, a beautiful pass from Matthew Perrault to Adam Lowry back door. And it seemed like one of those, okay, like momentum shifting goals. Let's go, let's go. And instead they start the next period and give up another chance and a penalty from Blake Wheeler. And it was just like... No, it, that, that's been the story of the series so far. Anytime the Jets have any sort of pushback, it seems like there's just a insane defensive lapse from them. And it just... You know, it's tough for them to get momentum when those things are happening oh, yeah. so often. I'm, I'm looking at the heat map right now of the uh, the last of the first three games, and every single one of, uh, sorry, every single one of Montreal's goals except for one has come below the slot in front of the net. Oh, yeah. Every yeah. single one, which yeah, is it's scoring some garbage goals, and that's yeah, how they, and against Hellebuck, you kind of have to. Yeah, You're not going to beat them on the outside. Yeah. And that's you're, that's you know what? That's exactly how Montreal want to play, and they're doing it. So credit to them. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's like Corey Perry been burying i mean yep that's that's what you got to do and then also shout out jake evans went to high school with him hope oh, he's yeah. okay that was a that was, that was a dirty hit if you disagree with that good. i don't know what you're talking about the intent there was purely to hurt him that's it i mean, no, i don't know on an open net if you don't have your stick going for the puck <laughs> yeah like what, what are you looking for yeah. no he was trying to hurt him and yeah, you could it was clear as day. shifley you could see after actually he was like you know okay but i kind of fucked up like, <laughs> yeah. really he was especially going back to the room you could tell yeah and I saw some people, you know, there's the arguments that it wasn't a charge, it wasn't this. Like, it was just the intent behind the play was dirty, and dirty. he should be punished for it. That's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I don't I don't think we've ever seen Mark Shifley back check either. So, that's yeah, true. So, but, like, I don't know. I saw some people trying to say he didn't make contact with the head. He, yeah, he absolutely like, did. Was, his, his, uh, he elbowed him in the head, it's too. Insane. But I, I, it's, it's, I, some people act like it's the death of hockey when, when people get suspended for these hits. And yeah, I just think I that's just sad. Like, uh, I don't it's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Let's transition away from this. Um, what series do you guys want to go into next? Do you want to talk now about we can actually talk about something. Vegas. The one that happened tonight or Vegas. Vegas. Let's go into Vegas. Vegas. All right. That's a fun series. I want to get into one thing real quick before we get into the, like I let anyone else go in. What is the number one thing that any Leafs fan watching the playoffs right now has noticed or has said, or have you seen on Twitter? It's popular opinion. The power play looks like these uh, guys are playing a different yes, sport. I've also watching said that, Tampa to be Bay, fair. watching the Colorado Avalanche, especially even you know what, watching uh, Vegas, they zip around the puck pretty good. Um, on top of that, we saw the Islanders go three for five. The the Leafs had three goals in seven games against the Canadians, and then on top of that, even the Bruins, David Pasternak can rip the puck. From that, from the the top of the circles, there. It's not the closest area to the net. It's not the best scoring area, but he makes it a scoring area because of how well that guy can shoot the puck. He, he's electric, man. But let's get into it. Colorado, Vegas. Josh, you have some points you want to get into. This is one of the more entertaining series I can remember in a long time, and here here's why. I think you have a perfect contract in contrast in styles here. It's not that Vegas is the tough team and Colorado is the like the speedy skill team because that would be way oversimplifying how talented both of these teams are. Both of these teams can play any type of hockey, but you're seeing it a lot, especially in the recent games, where it's a lot of 
Colorado likes to come at you in waves off the rush, really. Not that they can't sustain pressure, but that's what the, like quick regroups. They have defensemen who get the puck on and off their stick quickly and accurately, which is important as well. And they like to come at you on the rush. Now, Vegas is slightly different. They can beat you on the rush, but they are a devastating forechecking team. Oh. Really. And the last two games, you really saw it. Like, And it's not, it's not ru- like... Nick Foligno, Wayne Simmons, you're going and just throwing an aimless hit. Like They have really talented players all through their lineup who can do a lot of good things. They remind me of the LA Kings when the LA Kings teams won the Cup. So not the exact same, obviously, but just I see some similarities with how they're able to sustain pressure. And again, they're not like Colorado gets a lot like uh, not more chances, right? But Colorado's percentage of chances that are scoring chances is higher than Vegas is right. Vegas, as we know, has lower quality shots, but they are able to put so much pressure on you and get so many shots. It becomes overwhelming. Oh yeah. And you, they're able to cave a team at even as color as talented as Colorado in their own zone for extended period of periods of times. But at the start of the series, you saw how Colorado could just snap, snap and it's in the back of the net. So I really like that contrast of like the rush team versus the more sustained pressure team. And I like how Vegas has bounced back in this series as well. That's kind of my analysis of it. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but no, that totally makes sense. I mean, when you look at those top two lines, Mark Stone is one of the best four checkers in the entire NHL, yep. far and above. March is so and Riley Smith, hey, they've been clicking very, very well. Shout out to the Florida Panthers for those two. Hey, um, awful. And on top of that, though, I wanted to, I, I wanted to bring something up. If, I don't know if you noticed. On the power play, does Vegas use three different D? Like they have one D out there, but then at one, they have three different D out there: Martinez, Petrangelo, and Shea Theodore. Yep, they do. Like that's kind of crazy. That's a, that's kind of a crazy concept. I've mm-hmm. never seen anything kind of like that where you have like almost three different power play combinations. The one thing I notice about their power plays, you guys mentioned it so many times, the fluidity. Oh, it's not yeah. rigid. It's not you're on this half wall, you're on this half wall, you're at the point, you're in front, you're in the bumper. And now slowly pass it around until somebody gets a shot. These guys are moving like crazy up and down the zone, behind the goal line, in the slot, and the, the pucks are moving really quick. And that, I, I agree with you, Joe. The power play different like the difference between the Leafs and specifically Vegas, Colorado, and Tampa has been, I mean, I didn't realize until I watched those teams' power plays how stagnant ours was. Oh, yeah. Stagnant and just, they don't zip the puck around like they those don't. teams do. And I was actually right. Three minutes for Petrangelo in the power play, 312 for Alec Martinez, and 334. Just different combinations. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need a one time from this area. We need this. I like, like that. Like, they're all three very mobile players, and all three can, like, Alec Martinez has a fantastic, that could put up 32 points in 54 games this year, I believe is the number. Yeah, he's been great for the top of them. my head. And, like, that's just an incredible combination. Yeah, you're right. Like, just the way that they move the puck around is just, it's incredible. Because it keeps penalty killers. On their toes. Mm-hmm. They're not just sitting, okay, the puck's going to try to go across puck the ice Puck goes up here. to that corner. Yeah. One guy challenges. Exactly. This guy waits, watches this Instead, guy when here, everyone's like, moving, you can't. You, you have one less guy. You can't track everyone when they're moving. It's impossible. Yeah. And Montreal just won. Cool. Co- just I think happened. that was Caulfield to, 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 to Foley. Wow. Okay, so, that, so Montreal swept Winnipeg. Mon- Winnipeg is the only the third team oh. in NHL history. To sweep to only, and then get swept? To or? only play eight games in the NHL playoffs. Yeah, that's crazy. The one thing I wanted to bring up, if you were saying that Winnipeg won against Edmonton because they play that 
playoff style. Oh, they're yeah. built for oh, the playoff. Oh, they're real playoff. Yeah, yeah. They're real playoff. They Don't just watch got this swept. series then. They were oh, terrible. They were terrible. It was an atrocity. It's Connor It's, it's frustrating, but I'm, we're not going to get into the Gordon stuff. Miller had a great line today, and I wrote it down, and I now am drawing a blank on it. And he was saying, let me pull it up. This is real great radio. Nice job, Joe, you stupid muppet. It's crazy that Montreal is the Here first team to punch their ticket into the conference finals, yeah. quote-unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought? Here it is. It's a game played with a rubber disc on ice. It's bound to be random. It is. Yeah. It is. And that's what happened with Winnipeg. They were yeah. not the better team. Like They were the how worst many, team in all overtimes? four games. Three overtimes? Yep. Three overtimes? Like, yeah. They were not the better team. They were not built for the playoffs. Know who is built for the playoffs? Connor Hellbuck. Why? Because he's a good, good player. player. That's it. It's not they that play <laughs> like the Islanders light. Yeah. I don't think the I don't like the Islanders are winning. It's working somehow, but they just look like a worse version of the Islanders. They wish they could be the Islanders. And I don't think too many teams are going. It's not the best build it like that. It's not the best strategy. Give up what forty five shots today and get seventeen. We'll get into that too. So we'll get into that later. One more thing I wanted to bring up about Colorado is the the way the series has swung. Right, it's more sustained pressure from Vegas. Oh, yeah. Just they've Three seemed out of the last four games. Vegas has absolutely. Been they've better. seemed a little flat. Maybe Colorado. Yeah, man. If you had Kadri in the lineup, oh. he's the type of guy who can get a big hit. He can get a big goal. He can get a chance. He can just you know. Get, give your teams that spark that it just feels like Colorado's lacking that right now. And it's no fault of their current players. It's just, you know, he's a guy who brings that to the table, and that's part of the reason why the Leafs dealt him, right? It's it's right. sad to say, but if you can't rely on the guy to stay in a playoff series. Did Colorado even get a power play last game? Last game. It's showing, it's showing zero power play shots. I think they got one. And so to even not even draw one, that's what yeah. Kadri is very exactly. good at. Mm-hmm. And so, and like they lost the power, they lost the special teams game last game, giving up one, not getting any. So he makes a big difference. He He's a really it. effective player. And I, I, I mean, hopefully As he Leafs can fans, get back if into we the are series. complaining about Kadri being out two years in a row in the playoffs and all these injuries. And then John Tavares, you have to sympathize with Colorado not having Kadri. After mm-hmm. not having their goalie last year as well. Yeah. Oh, right? God, that was brutal. If they don't have Grubauer this year, it's even worse. He's been pretty good he's for been, them. He's been last really game, solid. a little he's shaky. A good, but he's, a good, he's a very I, I, I mean, mean, what are you supposed to do? 18 yeah. to... 18 to what is it? 35 and yeah. shots. Like Vegas is absolutely like, uh, except like, throwing out game one. Cause that was just a slaughter. Um, the game two, three and four Vegas has won the expected goal share. No, by, they've been killing by a significant margin. Oh yeah. 69%, 77% and 68% wow. generating two expected goals in game two, 3.76 in game three, 2.67. In game but that's four. one thing with having no crowd all year. Oh, the, that's made a huge, it's a difference. huge difference. And also, like you have to look at Colorado coming up a flat, a couple games in a row, couple losses on the road. Now going back to their home barn, it's probably going to be a little packed in there. Oh yeah, it's going to be a little loud. energy flowing. The roaring twenties coming out of people <laughs> there. You're going to see. I like you can almost guarantee. I know this is going to be cliche. It's based off of nothing, but you're going to see a good Colorado, a good start for Colorado, especially Capitano. Is and, is is Kadri going to be back for game six, or is it? He's only back for game I think just seven, seven right? Because they so, swept. Yeah. He got knocked out of game three, three, four. Okay, yeah. no. Is he out for the whole series? No, it's, 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 it's one game. Seven. Game seven. Game seven. Yeah, yeah. 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 Whole, yeah. Imagine that's, game seven. That's crazy. It's a three-game three series back. now, right? So 
So then he just gets thrown out right again. Do you guys <laughs> have any individual players you want to shout out in this Damn series? Damn it, that was the one thing I wrote down in our group, and I didn't even say it. I okay, I I'm do. I, Max Pacioretty is pretty underrated. I hate to say that because he's a former half, but man, this guy's a good player. He's a good player. He's consistent. He shows up every night. He's got a great shot. The goal he scored last game was terrific. Um, he's just. I think he's been really good. He's been a great addition to their team. They they needed more scoring yeah. when they got him last year, and he's been very effective for the for them for the couple of years that he's been there. And he's fit really well beside Mark Stone. I feel like those guys complement each other well. Maybe where Patrick isn't the most always defensive thinking player. Right. And Mark Stone obviously covers that a lot. And having two strong wingers like that really hides the fact that they don't have that elite number one center. No disrespect to Chandler Stevenson. I think he's played pretty well. But oh, yeah. when you are able to supplement him with those kinds of wingers who could really bring a lot to the table, it, it really, really insulates him in a way that it doesn't seem like they're missing that mm-hmm. top center, even though they technically technically, technically are. are. Yeah. Mark Stone is basically a number one center, but he plays right wing. He like he's yeah. just a great two ways player. Crazy. I mean, he's a Selkie nominee, too. Yeah. And he's he's a winger. That's great. That doesn't happen too too often. No, it doesn't. No? Yeah. And then, Jason, what about you? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say Alex Tuck. I've just always loved his game yeah. from the the moment he started playing in Vegas. He's a tenacious. He's a big guy. Tenacious. He, he skates very. He's fast, and he can shoot really really well. He's like, I think he's a, I think he's a, what a lot of people think Josh Anderson is. Um, <laughs> I like no, that. no disrespect, no disrespect. Like but like Alex Tuck is like he's he has what, skill. He actually passes the puck. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he, he he has a, a very complete game, and he's like one of the very few power forwards left in the NHL. Young power forwards left in the NHL, um, and I, I I haven't really been watching too too much of this this series specifically. It's on a little late for me, but I from what I see, I'm I'm a big fan of Alex Tuck, and I always have been. I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, I've got a bunch of different players. I got a couple um, more too. You go oh, first. Yeah. No, we're doing a we're doing a draft, draft style. Okay, okay. Um, We'll do it snake. So next time, Jason, you pick first for the next series. But I'd say my number one to watch. It's not going to be a huge surprise here. Kale McCarr. I really, I, I'm going even past. I'm looking past Nathan McKinnon. Kale McCarr is so fun to, and I put it on my story. It was just one play where he just gets it and puts it up ice. Just his skating and his ability. He's like the the Nathan McKinnon on defense. Just the way he really is. that he is able to stick handle and maintain his speed as well as his edge work and get the puck up ice is incredible to watch. And I mean, that play that I, 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 I put up on Instagram there takes it around the net, uses the net as kind of a blocker on the, on the four checker there puts it between the two four checkers. And as we mentioned, Vegas is a good four checking team, puts it between both of them, attacks the defense, dishes it off the Ranton in there. I mean, just like just aesthetically pleasing to watch. As a he is. Player. He really is. He's so smooth. Like oh. he's just silky smooth. Everything he does is moving. His edge work is unbelievable. Like unbelievable. And he's so quick. He's got a great mind for the game. He sees the ice really well. And again, Colorado does a good job in putting him in the perfect spots oh, all yeah. the time. Right? He's on his entry level deal. He's going to take him oh, to the he's, cleaners. I mean, they're going to have some issues in the future, but they're, they'll enjoy. They're enjoying, enjoying it now. now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, you you want to throw another name out there? That's right. It's a snake draft, so I get another pick here. And my pick, because I have him in a fantasy pool, I'm going with Riley Smith. He's really come to play. I, re- I mean, doesn't put up the most amount of points, but the past couple of games has really put up. He's 
He's gotten a couple points in the past couple of games. I really like the way that he meshes with March so. And you've really noticed him out there kind of as, as not one of their key cogs in that lineup, but that's what you need in the playoffs. You need those lower guys that you don't really rely on. You don't need your, I mean, not you don't need, sorry. You need guys that are not your Mark Stones, Max, Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Marchessos stepping up and putting production together in order to, to advance you in the playoffs, right? Probably a terrible pick on my part. There's a lot of other good players available, but Riley Smith, sure. Um, for me, I'm going to go with uh, Sam Gerrard. Um, only because I think he's like a, a, a really important player to, uh, to that team. Um, it's, I honestly don't have too many specific things to say about he's him. He's another very good puck he's, mover. He's going to say like, a lot of good things about Colorado defense. Yeah. Like I, I'm just thinking more of their defense as a whole. I, I, I find it fascinating how this is off topic. How they were put together. Even. Yeah. Like how they got Samuel Gerrard was pretty insane. They got him in the, the Duchesne, Duchesne deal. Yeah. Um, Devin and Taves with, first. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure also their top four consists of only left-handed D, which is another funny thing but interesting the interesting thing about him is he's the guy who plays the tough tough minutes mm-hmm. like they really really like to throw McCarr and Taves out there on offensive zone draws mm-hmm. kind of think of how the Leafs have used Morgan Riley in the past in the playoffs where he's like coming on the ice with yeah mostly in offensive zone draws and Gerard is kind of the guy who gets buried with those tougher minutes so he really is an important piece for them in terms of being able to let those other guys kind of go free. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. I think he's struggled a little bit the last couple of games, but the other thing is he, he's obviously not the biggest guy. And when they really start forward checking him hard, it, there's only so much he can take. Right. But it's, I don't think he's, it's not a deficiency of his. It's just the way that Vegas has been playing. has kind of been yeah. tough, especially when you're starting a lot of shifts in your defensive zone. I don't know why no one said Nate McKinnon. This guy's just a monster. Just such an obvious. Yeah, we're just gonna, we're not we're not even yeah we're not even gonna talk. How about Jonathan Marchessault? Every year you can talk guy. about Nathan McKinnon. I don't, no, I want I to. I want to talk about Jonathan Marchessault. Every year this guy comes to play in the playoffs. I don't think he came out of nowhere, right, with Florida, and the the move that they made was one of the worst trades in sports history, not NHL history, sports history. They. This was the deal they made with Vegas, if, if you guys don't remember. So the deal was this. For Vegas to take Jonathan Marchessault, Florida gave Vegas Riley Smith on a fourth-round pick. So that sounds like I said it wrong. I did not say that wrong. S- to ensure that Vegas would take Jonathan Marchessault in the expansion draft, they gave Riley Smith and a fourth-round pick. So they gave literally two fide top six wingers who have basically produced like first line wingers for the Vegas Golden Knights over the last three years and a pick for nothing. They just gave it away. And then in the, the Vegas cup run, Riley Smith had 22 points in 20 games. Jonathan March. So had 21. It's 20. one of the worst trades ever in any and sport. Florida it's, hasn't made it past the first round it, in God knows how long. It's not like big name trade but it's in terms of what was the, the thought value. process and the value it's crazy so the the craziest thing was it was all because they wanted to protect 4D yes and, and one of those D is Mark Piszczek and the they, other one's Alex Petrovich yes and who Mark Piszczek they 2 years later tried to convert to a forward oh. yeah correct <laughs> oh, correct they basically wanted to protect their two bottom pairing young defensemen over 
they were productive. Even, were they the even that young? Is, no, not that. Like <laughs> mid twenties, maybe at that point. But the crazy thing is, it's not like Marchso and Smith were bad players. Marchso was great that year. They this maybe they, coming out party exactly. Maybe they didn't like Riley Smith's contract, but it's not even that bad. That was it's three not. and a half. Like, I know he didn't, but that was the narrative at the time. Yeah. It was Dale Talon. It was it, he was not that is crazy. not good. He costed Chicago a lot because he forgot to file the papers in For at the Versteeg, proper time. Right? It was Versteeg and a couple and, other yeah, RFAs. Yeah. Yeah. And they were able to, to milk him for a bunch of money because they weren't restricted anymore. <laughs> That's hilarious. Shout out Dale Talon. Yeah. Mar- Jonathan Marchessault, 15 16, his first year with Tampa. So he was a guy, played his overager year in the queue. I think mucked around in the ECHL a little tad bit, but minor leagues, whatever, was on Columbus 12 13, and then 14 15, two games with Tampa, 15 16, 45 games with Tampa, fourth line minutes. And then he signs the other team in Florida, and puts up 30 goals and 51 points in 75 games. His first full season, but was a minus 21, and Dale Talon couldn't have that on his team. No, we need Alex Petrovic, and we need Mark Pischik, or whatever the fuck his name is. Here's why team. everyone says, oh, analytics, Corti, blah, 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 stupid. Like Joe just said, they used plus minus as a reason to why they got rid of him. Do you want to know why his plus minus was bad that year? Because his goalies had an 88 save percentage when he was on the ice. Uh, no duh that your plus minus isn't going to be good. That's not even analytics, guys. I know it sounds like a... I know, I know Sportsnet likes to put advanced analytics and they put the goalie save percentage. That's not analytics. It's the most basic, one of the most basic stats you can come up with. And like a little bit of knowledge of like variance would have kept them from making such a horrendous deal. That's why when people knock on... People who follow stats, it's like you could prevent those deals from yeah. happening. And I also find it funny when people knock on analytics while using other stats that are just like, like you're not even using your eye test. I get it if you want to say oh, like, yeah. oh, eye test is important. Like we shouldn't be throwing out the window for analytics. Yeah, that's fair. But like if you're going to reference someone's plus minus and just use that to denounce an analytics. It's just, no, yeah. totally off topic. There was an older sports writer or whatever that tried that had tried to explain why he gave out uh, a Lindell, like a third place oh, vote yeah, in that. the Norris. And he was like explaining his Corsi and his plus minus and his minutes played. And it was just such a bad explanation. And he looked at the numbers so horribly wrong that he put Essa Lindell, who was the fourth oh best God. defenseman on his own team, third place in the Norris. So, I don't know. It's information. Use it as mm-hmm. it is. I yeah. don't know. Like, is it really that hard? It's like anything in life. Like, AMC is going up. Is it really a good stock? <laughs> oh, I don't know. This is, this is a different podcast. Podcast for a different day. The Stonks podcast. Stonks. So anything in closing in that series, we kind of all, all gave two guys we liked. It's also low-key a very good goaltending duel. Yeah, I, think. I agree. I think it I will agree. be. Marc-Andre Fleury, Vezina nominee. So Grubauer is... was also, but he he did not deserve that, I don't think. But he's nominated, was, so. He was nominated. He had a good season. Who do you think should have got it ahead of him? I forget. I had it in my head, but I forget. There was one goalie. Jack Campbell. No. What, <laughs> what about Alex Nedeljkovic? Uh, I, I don't think he played enough games. I, I There was a goalie in my head, and I know it was not Philip Grubauer, and it wasn't Alex Nedeljkovic. And for some reason, for the life of me, I can't remember who it was. Who were the nominees, even? Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, who's going to Was it Hellebuck, maybe? Vasilevsky. Oh, maybe it was Hellebuck. Flurry. Vasilevsky, no. Flurry, and uh, Grubauer. And Grubauer, Grubauer were nominated, but like, where you think? Semyon Varlamov. 
I mean, had a fantastic season at 929. UC Saros was my, oh, that's what it was, yeah. 927. He started very slow, but yeah. I think it was UC Saros was my pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do you guys want to do keys, goalie year for, keys uh, for each team to win? For Colorado yeah, Vegas? Yeah, sure. That. What do you think, Joe? I think that Colorado's got to put together more life. And I yeah. mean, they, mm-hmm. they can't, their defense that need to be making, they can't, they got to get moved the puck out. Like that's their one their their one strength is their ability to zip the puck around, and Vegas, Vegas is completely shutting them down there. Them so they time. gotta they gotta really find a way around that. But I, yeah. I think for Colorado as well, do better in tra- transition. Like, yeah, like same you said, thing, like yeah. yeah, pretty much same thing. But also just try not to get let Vegas in the zone as much because once they're in, they're not. It's oh, going to be tough to get them out again, right? Go. And this is going to be an oversimplification, but I mean, the Colorado top guys got to come through. Yeah, gotta show up. Where have we heard heard that that before? The reason I wanted to talk about Nate McKinnon, he tried to get his team going. He threw a huge hit when they were down. He is the most low-key, strong player. He reminds me of, like, you know how Crosby's just thick? Like, he's strong. He's hard to knock off the puck. He lost weight. Yeah, I know. And people don't realize that because of how fast he is, right? But McKinnon is strong, man. He is strong. Especially when you're coming in with that speed at someone and hitting them. Like, it's not going to tickle. And I, I do think those guys will step it up. I, I think this is going seven games. Yeah. I hope it goes seven yeah. games. I really do. All right. And then let's transition to another series here. I, I didn't even open my notes for Abs versus Knights because I'm a Muppet. Um, yeah. Anyways, I think we covered all of it. Let's go to the other exciting series because why not? Lightning Hurricanes. Wow. This I, series has been crazy. And just because they're able to pack the barns and, like, what a stupid like comment if you're listening like in like 2018 somehow you got to hold this like it's a great series because they can sell out in the playoffs. What do <laughs> yep. you have more on? Well, no. Like no. we saw what 2500 fans in Montreal right now as well. Like it's just it's it's crazy how much you miss watching people watch a game in a stadium. Absolutely. Like it makes such a difference just that energy. I mean, when you score a goal and you go up like that like it's you feel it on your couch there. And I mean, lightning hurricanes, like the hurricanes have been this, the analytics darlings, like just the up and up every year. They came a couple of year, close years. They were almost on the verge of the playoffs. And then finally, I think it was last year they made it. And then they, 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 they beat the shit out of the New York Rangers as well. But Ran, oh, no, they made it the year before as well. But either way. They've had decent runs two years in a row. And got swept by the Boston Bruins both years. And then now they're running into another tough opponent, but they're a very exciting team to watch. Sebastian Ajo, Tuvo Teravainen, even Dougie Hamilton I really like to watch there. Like, they're an exciting team to watch. And they're playing against just the the quintessential exciting team to watch in the it's Tampa Bay great. Lightning. It's been electric to watch. Have you guys caught any of that series? Absolutely. So the thing is, if you, you know, you haven't been following, oh, Tampa's up 3-1, like they must be dominating. Absolutely not. This game or these this, these games uh have been pretty even all through all four of them. Even the like the fourth one kind of got away from the Hurricanes, but it was yeah, but back they were up 3-1. The they? second period was insane, right? Oh yeah. So it's been pretty even, especially five on five. Tampa Bay's power play, though, has just been six power play goals in four games. Like, you'll take that in the playoffs any day of the week. And it's just the they have such top end skill on that team, really. Their power play is not to harp on this, but it is 
a pleasure to watch their power play. It's it just, really is. They really combine the option play and just they have so there's so many options because oh my god. And just the fact that Hedman's got a good shot up top there. Kucherov is a fantastic one-timer. Stamkos has a fantastic one-timer. But then on top of that, they dish the puck so well. And then you get it down low, and, I mean, you have more options. Just options, 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 and just execution on top of that. That's that's the name of the game there. Like, just – I think I've mentioned this before. Kucherov from that one point there has seven different, like, options that he can yeah. play it to that they practice – on a regular basis, like just crazy. It's it's been a really fun series. Like I like f- I'm telling you, five on five. This is it's even back and forth hockey. But and on top I, of that, Andre Vasilevsky is a pleasure to watch. Yeah. It's unfortunate that we didn't get to see Nadalkovich get to his sort of peak that mm-hmm. we saw in the regular season. But and it's crazy to say after a ten goal game where there was what less than fifty shots total, twenty percent of the. 20% of the shots in the game ended up in the back of the net. Yeah. And I'm talking about the goaltending right now because Andre Vasilevsky is a complete freak. That guy is so, just so good at what he does. The fact, what I really like about him, number one, physically, he's a monster. He moves very, very well in the net and he takes up a lot of net. You're not seeing much there. Number two, his ability to close down, he's a big goalie, but his ability to close down the bottom half of the ice is insane. You'll see it in, in games. He spreads out so far and get is able to get so low to the ice while covering the upper part of the net. It's crazy. And then on top of that, while he's got the upper half shut down, the lower half pretty much shut down on top of that, he is a bendy freak that can move across the crease laterally incredibly fast. I remember, I think it was in round one against Florida. No, it was in, or one of them. I don't know. One of the games I was watching this freak. Um, It was the puck came from his right-hand side, and it came cross crease, and he had to respect the shot and then was able to get across the crease so fast. It was against Florida. He was able to get across the crease so fast and it just looked like such a routine save for him. But it's like, if you put any sort of normal NHL human in net, that's going in 10 times out of 10. That was a fantastic, it was bang, bang, and then he stopped it, no problem. When he's in the zone, it's tough to, it's tough to get by with I, one. I'm sorry I mean, to rant so much. I mean, are you going to get any better goalie breakdowns than what you just got there? I don't think so. But piggybacking off that point so on overdrive this week there was a conversation about you know who's the best goalie of this generation they were talking the last 20 years right maybe it was 10 years but it was whatever they were debating between Carey Price and Mark Andre Fleury and in my mind the first guy I thought of even though it's still early in his career is Andre Vasilevsky especially if you're projecting it out he's got a Vesna and he's got a cup already he's still 26 years old He's probably going to win the Vesna this year. Maybe Flory will snatch it from him, but and he's been remarkably consistent every single year. The really the one blunder on his resume is that series against Columbus. Mm. He was not good in that series. He was, I think, I want to say an eight fifty goal in that. Like it was, it was rough. Okay. I'm looking at it now. So yeah, he had an eight fifty six save percentage in those four games. His playoff career save percentage is still nine twenty. His, uh, can I read out his playoff save percentage for you? Oh. So this series got a 928. 
Last year, he had a 927. So the, the, the year before that, Columbus blunder. The year before that, he had a 918. And 15, 16, he had a 925. And he, then there was, he, he was like 19 years old when he got thrown into the Stanley Cup final, too. Yeah. Like 2 1 guy, game they lost. Like, there's a chance Vasilevsky is this generation's Patrick Waugh or Dominic Hashik. Like, I don't know which one you want to choose. I, I would say Patrick Waugh because he might end up with multiple cups like he did. But he has been unbelievable again in the playoffs. Again, he's done it again. He's a physical specimen. He really watch. is. really is a gift. I mean, a lot of people criticize teams for taking goalies in the first round. That might have been the that best one worked out. That yep. one really that worked, one worked out. out. It really the next did. one, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say anything about him. He's a great guy, Malcolm Subban. Yeah, but hey, also Mark Andre Fleury, first round pick, Carey first Price overall. So Carey Lettinen was not bad for a few years. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, that kind of, eh, but anyways, getting back into whatever we were talking about. The Lightning versus the Hurricanes. We had a little technical difficulty there, so if it sounds a bit weird, that's why. But we're all good now. We're back on the horse. Shout out to batteries. Um, so Lightning Hurricanes, I mean, is there any way that you see her, uh, Carolina coming back in this series? It's hard just because it's hard to picture anyone winning three or four against Tampa, right? Like that's the hard thing yeah. to picture. So I, I don't know. Or it would, it would be three in a row, actually. Not even three or four, what am I saying? It's three, it would be three in a row against Tampa Bay. But I think Carolina, they could definitely steal a couple games here. They're, they're really good. They really are. They're deep. They have a great back end. Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci. Brady Shea's been a little shaky. He's kind of an enigma-type player. Like, yeah, they traded a first-round pick. Mm, that guy. Don't know if that one would mm. is going to work out for them. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Trocek getting hurt also was a big blow for them, right? Yeah. So he, Martin Nakash is really that's come the on one around. guy that's I wanted to guy. talk about. Like he, you know, he was kind of a mid first round pick in a, in a, not an afterthought, but he, you know, there's other guys in that draft. He was one of those guys where it was like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird to explain it. It's like, he doesn't have the sexiest sort of skill set to him. And he was playing pro in Czech Republic. So his numbers weren't that incredible. And so they, you, you come over to North America, you play in like the U18s, small sample size, will that work? So not having those sexy numbers, not having the that very high-end sort of sexy skill kind of makes you an afterthought in the draft. Even though he was a first-round pick, he was a fantastic pick. But now he comes over, he develops a little bit more with Carolina, gets a t- like I believe he had to pay his dues in the AHL, if I'm not correct. Yep. And, and then now he's just... Buzz is out there. Like he's a guy where you go, like wow. Like he he sticks out like a sore thumb. He on really does. Well. In that draft, it, it was very much a jumbled kind of first round with the forwards, right? Everyone knew Hishier and Patrick were going to go early, and then you had guys like Cody Glass, you had Casey Middlestad, Owen Tippett, Gabe Velarde, Nick Suzuki, like and Martin Neckash. And it was he was in like a jumbled group where okay, one of these yeah. guys is going to be good, but it was almost like. Take your pick of whatever flavor you like, right? Yeah. And Carolina made the right pick. He's been really, really good this year, and he's been great in the playoffs too. Like he, he's he's got some energy to his game. Oh yeah, right. Him and Svechnikov, are, there's a little bit of heat on Svechnikov right now because he's not necessarily producing as he should. But remember, he's young. Both those guys are big, fast, and physical with good touch around the net as well, which makes them very effective players. Oh yeah, and I mean, speaking on that draft. 
the sexy skill like Casey Middlestad had all of that. Yeah. And how's Martin Nakash doing relative to much better uh, exactly <laughs> relative to him. So it's a great point. Yeah, Martin Nakash. Uh, so I mean, lots of depth. It, it's a good team. It's like almost like a feel good. It's not the 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 biggest hockey kind of market, and they're they're having fun down there. <laughs> With the um, the storm surge and all that, their Twitter account is a little bit annoying at times, but they're having fun with all of it. And you just really, it, I almost feel like like ah, like if it ends in the second round again, it's like, damn, you kind of hope for better. But they're yeah. running into some hot some teams every like a, single year. Uh, we don't have to break down Tampa Bay's roster, right? Like this is a what a ninety five million dollar roster and an eighty million dollar cap, and they play it's like it. Funny. Like they're deep. They're they're good up front. Their top line's good. Their top pair's good. They have good depth on D, and they have a great goalie. There's no hole in this team. There's no hole. There's not. There's pick nothing. the hole. They they spent a first round pick on their third third line defenseman in David Savard. He's a third pairing D, and he's good. And last year, who was their third? It was Zach Bogosian. I mean, David Savard versus Zach Bogosian. I'd rather have David Savard. Absolutely. He's a much better defensive player there. There's one and player he's that down. He's, Mikhail Sergachev is playing third pairing as yeah. well. Like he's a hell of a player too. There's one player that I think he might not even be on Tampa next year because of the cap crunch. But Alex Kalorn is just this. Is, if you want to throw all your narratives and intangibles at a player and call him the quintessential playoff player, it would be Alex Kalorn in my opinion. He produces way above his normal point production in the in the regular season. Not that he's not a great scorer, right? He's a 40-point guy. He's a 50-point guy. Technically, they're, thir- they're third-line center, right? But he plays in front of the net on the power play. He's extremely effective. He really is. He had one play that I wanted to point out from game two where the puck was dumped in and it kind of f- took a weird bounce in front. And Dougie Hamilton had a pretty clear, you know, he had the puck and he could just spin off and make a outlet pass. And Killorn forechecked him so hard, he fumbled the puck. And Doug Hamilton took a penalty on Alex Killorn. Like, he does that kind of stuff. He draws penalties. He's tough. He's an insanely aggressive forechecker. And he's good, been good on the power play. And I, I don't I haven't looked recently, but how many points does he have in this playoffs? 11. He's got 11 more, points. More points in this playoffs than he did in 24 games last playoff. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been a monster. And he's, he might not be on the team next year, right? Because when, when you look at the cap number. But for now, man, is this guy playing well. Oh, Tampa's going to like put half the team in the hospital and be like, oh, they're ill. We knew you can't count them against the cap. And then run it back again. They make me sick. Hopefully, Brad Pridham can figure out their secrets. But anyways, that's a conversation for another day. Jason, you've been quiet over there. I mean, there's not much more to say. You guys pretty much covered everything. Um, but... Give your p- first pick. First Who's pick uh, of players to watch. Rockstar ship players to watch. All right, Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, and, and Pretty specifically obvious. him on the power play because for, <laughs> for us, for us, it, I, I assume mostly Leafs fans listen to this podcast. For us, Leafs fans coming over, it's we want to see. We want we want our our guys to be playing like him. I on want the power that. Play. Oh yeah, he scored a goal last game. I put it up on it on the Instagram story there. And what was so unique about it was. Palat came down. It was a two-on-one. Palat created the two-on-one, did a great job of that. And then he sent it over, and Nikita Kucherov shot it in such a way where he was not... When you take a one-timer, typically, you open up your hips, and you're, you have your, your stick like up in the air. You're ready to 
hammer at home, right? It looks you you can tell who is taking the one timer on the ice. It's very very obvious. Nikita Kucherov was still in stride. He had he was facing almost the opposite way that you would with a one timer. He one timed it very cleanly, got some pretty good velocity on it too, and Peter Mrazek had it caught him so off guard that it just slipped right through him. Like it's it's not a great kind of goal. Probably wasn't the hardest shot, but he just tricked him on it. And it was like it, typical Kucherov. I mean, you see what's what is the Kucherov when you go in on a breakaway? You completely fool the goalie. Always. Like, he's an insanely skilled player, but on top of that, he's an insanely, insanely underratedly smart. Deceptive. He's that's what deceptive the word I would use. And deceptive and smart player. So talking about Kucherov, I'm gonna go a little big picture here. He legitimately has a chance to end his career as the greatest Tampa Bay Lightning of all time. And that's, I mean, maybe that doesn't sound that impressive, but they've had some really good players in this organization. Brad Richards, Martin, Martin St. Louis, LeCavalier, Stamkos. Dan I mean, Boyle. Like, these are, nah, no, these are, but these are great players. And look at his point production. He's won a hard playoff producer every single year. Like, he is an absolute monster. Worth every penny, great contract, whatever. Oh, yeah. The best was he was like compared to Jamie. I, I've already said this line, but he was compared to it was comparable to what Jamie Ben got because they had comparable production at the time that they signed. And wow, that <laughs> what I think, two opposite career traje- trajectories there. I mean, I think if you take Jamie Ben's point totals from the last two years, it does not equal Nikita Kucherov's equals point Nikita. totals from the last two years. <laughs> like, yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. Um, but that's funny. So I get my uh, second pick for players to watch in this series. I really, really, really like Sebastian Ajo. I mean, we're going higher end there. We're not. We're taking the obvious ones. I mean, he's he's just so like creative on the ice there. And Kevin Papetti on Twitter pointed out something pretty funny. The line that he was on that he excelled on in the World Juniors was him, Line A, and Puliyarvi, and everyone was so focused on the two wingers. And look at the centerman. Also, to interject, the second line of that team had Miko Rantanen and Kasperi Kapanen. If you want to talk about a loaded World Junior team, but continue. One in overtime, too. That whole World Juniors was really loaded. good. Really good. That was the Austin Matthews Team USA one, yep. too. Yeah. So, yeah, Sebastian Ajo, just a very creative kind of player out there. I mean, seems like he, something happens every time he's on the ice. It's, it's, it's really an, Fantastic player to watch. Josh, you're up. I'm going to stick with Alex Killorn. I mean, he's, again, he's been, the t- the way he stepped up is what you need in the playoffs. You need those depth guys to step up. I and mean, he's been a force in front of the net on the power play. I think he's a bit underrated because of what he can do in front of the net on the power play. He leads the Tampa Bay Lightning in individual expected goals. Think about that. And that's mostly because of the work he's able to do in that net front spot on the power play. All the other guys are moving around nice and silky smooth pass, and he's doing the dirty work, and it's working, yeah. and it's working for them. He's a very good player. I mean, compare uh, to always make it about the Leafs, because why wouldn't we? I mean, look who the Leafs had in front of the net in those sort of mm. Kalorin sort of spots versus what they got. I mean, it's we say we're not going to talk about the Leafs. Where can we get one of those? But it's hard not to talk about the Leafs, honestly. Why not? I think we're doing a good job about it. I think we are. But So my second guy would be, this is kind of an un, unsung hero if you're not really paying attention, you know, because you think Tampa Bay, Steven Stamkos, right? He's the, the number one center, him and Braden point one, two. He doesn't play center anymore. 
I don't know if you unless you follow if you, I don't know if you'd notice that, but he does it. And it's been able to kind of reinvigorate his career in a way because it's less responsibility. He can kind of focus on playing more of like a Alex Ovechkin role instead of an Austin Matthews role. Anthony Sorelli is the center on that second line now. And he is just a great player. He does all of the little things well. They trust him in all situations. He's a def- I believe he was nominated. Was he nominated for the Selkie last year? I don't think so. He he might he might not have been nominated, but I know he got votes for it. It came close ish, yeah. yeah. I mean I think he's it was a because great... he didn't have enough points or something. Yeah, okay. It's exactly. kinda of funny. He's a great defensive forward, but he's also able to chip in offensively here and there as well. He scored a great goal in this series. I think you posted it on the Yeah, I the breakaway. Post- he yeah, posted yes. on the story. Stole it from or almost fumbled it. Yeah, Shea fumbled it, and Sorelli came in and scored a uh, beauty yeah. on a breakaway. That was, ah. So he's kind of the unsung hero of this team, right? He does the dirty work. He doesn't get the credit of a Stamkos or a Kucherov or a Point, but or Headman even, who also is great. But and shout out, he's from from the bridge. Tony from the bridge. From the bridge, and you know he's scored a lot of big goals in his career. Memorial Cup. I mean, he's kind of worked his way up. Through the ranks is not a Didn't highly score the conference final winning yep, goal. Yeah, he did too. As a not highly rated player, you know what I mean. Throughout the ranks, he was not a first round pick. He was what? He was not an OHL draft how, pick. How was he drafted in the third round? How did so many teams miss on this? Well, well so his point he only had like thirty great. points that year. Because he played AAA the year before yeah. that. It was. I remember we were at that draft. I remember hearing that draft pick, and I went like, "That's." Very, very interesting because it's above where he's kind of rated at the moment. It was a bold but pick. But you're really betting on that yeah. kind of development. And, and did it ever happen? Did it ever happen? I mean, so shout out Anthony Sorelli. That's my second pick. So I got a pick now, too. I had my list up here. Um, honestly, I'm kind of stumped. There's so many good players to pick from, but... Another great series, by the way. This is good hockey. Just very, very good hockey. Um, I'm going to go with Braden Point. The way he's just able to zip around out there. His skating is incredible. And he's just a very skilled player. I mean, the fact that Stamkos has gone down so many times. Kucherov was out during the year. And just Braden Point is able to elevate his game. Like, everyone always likes to look at, oh, last year when you think about Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup, everyone loves the... They had grit, that third line. It was, but Braden Point put up. Sounds so stupid saying, but he had yeah, he had thirty three points in twenty three games with fourteen goals. He scored some highlight reel ones out there too. He's very very good for the highlight reels. He's an electric player to watch there. So Braden Point a hundred percent. Like you can't look like when you mentioned Stanley. Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup Finals. It should be Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point. They put the puck in the net. Absolutely. Another guy drafted in the third round. Insane. Like they're, that he, was, was, he, he should have been drafted earlier. They traded up for him. He should have been. He was a when victim in the of NHL, the old, you're not big enough to play in the NHL. His skating was, I remember, it was criticized mm, as well. I no, remember it was mostly was the size. It was also his size. He's yeah. not big enough. And then what did he do? He scored... 33 points in a Stanley Cup run. Not Does bad. he seem small when he plays on the ice? He doesn't seem small to me. No, not at all. I mean, not does not play small at all. Chasing you up. Um, my last pick, I'm going to go with uh, Peter Mrazek slash Nadelkovic, kind of whoever the goalie is for Carolina. Uh, Carolina because like, to me, that's the path to victory for Carolina's for the goalies yeah. to stand Ooh, on their heads. Foresight and one. The, the reason why I pick... 
Mrazek specifically is it's kind of the narratives around him. He's never really been able to grab that number one spot in Carolina, whether it be through injuries or I, mostly injuries. This year, injuries. Um, but uh, he's always had to split time with a guy, and, and this is his. Uh, he's a UFA next year, so he's kind of pl- he's kind of playing for for a contract right now too. Like I, he's going to get signed. I'm not saying he's not going to get signed, but if he like if K- Carolina wants to keep him, if he wants to stay with this group, he's going to need to step up big for them and win this series for them. I mean, I don't think he will, but, I, but he, yeah, <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah, they, they, a small that is a that know. is a duo to watch right there. You are a hundred percent correct. I mean, they didn't get the best goaltending from Alex and Delkovich. He gave up some stinkers in games one and two, which is unfortunate because he's such a great younger kind of goalie to watch. He's like what 24, 25, right? Twenty four, twenty five, right now. I mean, for a goaltender, that's kind of on the younger ish end mm-hmm. so it was unfortunate to see that kind of happen to him and crumble like that in the second round but we'll probably we'll, he'll be back he'll be Absolutely. back so it'll be good that's a good pick jason it's very thoughtful kind of thoughtful pick. it's a thought invoking pick i'm just because thought provoking that's a better word <laughs> wow. all right i wish i thought of that one um time for the frustration series as i've called it yeah we're giving our third one. Oh, we just did two for the last one. So oh, yeah, let's good. stick with two. But Dougie Hamilton, upcoming UFA, oh, yeah. that was what I was going to say. Like but that. the frustrating one, Bruins Islanders. How many times am I going to have to watch the New York Islanders get outplayed and somehow, by some way, by some nook or crook or whatever you want to call it, they win? And I, I don't even hate it. Good for them. I just don't understand. I don't. If somebody could explain it to me, if somebody show me a stat, somebody show me a film breakdown to tell me how they are able to win when they get absolutely shelled, I don't understand it. Because, okay, it happens in hockey, as you said. It's a a rubber object. Flying around the ice. Flying around the ice. Randomness happens. If I were to break down the... I believe it's 10 games or maybe 11 games now that the Islanders have played in the playoffs. I believe 11 now. I think they have been the better team in two of those games. One game in the Pittsburgh series and game four, I believe, the when they won 4-1. Game four of this series. I can't remember which one that was. From Saturday night. Saturday night, they won 2-1. No, they got two empty nighters. Oh. Completely, but I, I'll give them that they outplayed the Islanders in that game or the Bruins in that game. Other than that, it's not even close. The Bruins are a much better hockey team, and like we said, randomness happens. Teams that are worse beat teams that are more talented or better. It happens. happens. Logan Stanley scores two goals in but one game. How does it keep happening for them? Two playoffs in a row. The Leafs can't win one series. They can't get one bounce. They can't goalie a team one time, and the Islanders do it every year. How many goals did Matt Martin put up in the playoffs oh last year? It's God. stuff like that that's just so frustrating. Like we saw Matt Martin and what he's all about with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, five goals in twenty-two games in the playoffs last year. Five goals in fifty-five games in the regular season. Like it's just random stuff like that. I mean, I don't want to hear about oh, the Islanders. They play that gritty style. I hate hearing that so so much. Like, oh, the gritty style, it's ingrained in their game, and that's in their game plan, and that's why they... W- like, that makes no sense. What you're just saying is fluff. That's the most fluffiest statement I've ever heard in my life. What I'm seeing, and what I saw tonight, I was watching that instead of Winnipeg 
Montreal. But what I was seeing tonight was on, it was the Islanders' second goal, I think it was. Um, I'm probably, I'm saying something different than what you were. I, I think I told you about the third goal before we started recording. It was one of the Islanders' goals. Semyon Varlamov made two saves that were just outstanding. They, it wasn't even like, oh, they got a good chance. And it was like, oh, he made the good save. I thought they were going in the net. They were one time so crisply and so well, and they were placed fairly well as, as like as well. Say as well so many times. It's deserved. He he, he played. He made some. He made five or six saves before the end of the second period that were just lights out. He was so, he gave up four goals, but he was lights out and he's been the reason him and Sorokin have been the reason that that the Islanders have been able to get to where they are right now they've been awesome in net and you know piggybacking off what you said earlier like they do play a good physical style they're a physical they team do. they're nobody's happy to play the Islanders they're tough to play against but I'm sorry you can't tell me the strategies to get outshot 44 to 19 every night like I'm sorry that that's not a strategy that's sustainable for winning long-term. It's not. And I know that it sounds crazy because they've won in the playoffs the last two years. But it's just, I, I don't understand it. Someone maybe explain it to me. I'm open. If anybody listening wants to explain to me how they're doing it, let me know. Give me some breakdowns, some actual video breakdowns of how they're doing it. I mean, to, want, to point to some good in the Islanders, Matt Barzell was having a bit of a tough playoffs. Zero goals, four assists in eight games at one point. He has been absolutely lights out. He practically won them that game on Saturday. He made a great assist, I remember, on the first goal. And then the second goal, it's just a point shot. It's a random play, and he just bats it out of midair. And then tonight, what did he do? He continued his raid of terror. That guy, I mean, the power play goal he scored just walks in off the boards and just rips its shelf. Maybe a stoppable-ish kind of goal, but he he, that was a great shot from Matt Barzell there. And he, he just kept continuing. Holy, he is so exciting to watch. His skating, like if you're a younger hockey player, just watch his skating. It is just top-of-the-line stuff there like to watch from him. But on top of this, when you look at the Islanders' production, what they've been getting, 10 points from J.G. Pajot in 10 games. I'm looking at the – I haven't got the updated numbers in front of me, but they've been getting production from Pajot, Beauvillier. Jordan Eberle has been decent. Brock Nelson has been decent. Josh Bailey has been decent. Matt Barzell has been decent. Kyle Palmieri has been has six goals in the playoffs. Like, how many players did I just list off there? It was like, like playing well, scoring, playing well, playing well. Scoring from all up and down their lineup, which helps, right? But oh, I just don't get it. I don't, like, it, it's so frustrating. It has me somehow rooting for the Boston Bruins. That's how frustrating Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. But in this series... What I feel like, like the other two series we mentioned, Avs and the the Lightning series, is, if that's a proper word, they're encapsulating because they're so entertaining. It's entertaining hockey. I feel like the Bruins versus the Islanders, like you're not going to just, oh, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to turn on the uh, Bruins and Islanders. It's going to be so fun unless you're a fan of those teams. But I feel like once you start watching, it's like a chess game. It just sucks you in. Like I was just... Every time I turn, I don't want to, but if it's on, obviously it's the playoffs. I'm going to watch it. It just kind of like sucks you in and you're like, you become so invested in it. Even though you hate both of these franchises with a burning passion, you're somehow like 
on the edge of your seat. Like, what's going to happen next? It's not even the most exciting hockey, but it's just got you like. It's been a great series. I can't imagine being a fan of one of those teams. It's it's got me nervous. Yeah, I can't imagine actually having something invested in this, right? Jason, you got the heat maps up there. Yeah, no, I was just looking at the if you, it, best website, Natural Stat Trick, to look at. Uh, just gives you a more in-depth look of the game than NHL.com does. If through through five games, the series uh, heat maps for the Bruins against Islanders, the entire zone for the Bruins basically just tracks shot attempts. The entire zone, all of the for the Bruins is red. Basically, they're getting shots from literally everywhere, and it's kind of insane. Like it's it really is. Uh, it's just a funny thing to look at. I don't know. Yeah, they're getting tons of chances. The numbers, the numbers speak for themselves. Like their top line has been great. You go every night they come to play. Every night, you know. Brad Marchand scored an insane goal. Oh yeah, insane goal. But so nice. I just David Pasternak, a couple electric goals. Yeah, like I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I don't get it. So break down those those two goals. The Pasternak one timers. That guy can just rip it. And mm-hmm. the, the the way that he's able to, and the thing that I've noticed that's missing from the Leafs, he's able to get a lot of height on his and he's able to rip them shed and right in between the post and where the mesh is just such a it's it's sexy and his second goal there when you're watching it is from charlie mcavoy charlie mcavoy gets the someone else breaks in i can't remember who they get it to mcavoy he's at the top and he dishes it over and he does it he dishes it pretty fast and hard too and pasternak rips it and i'm watching that video for the first when i was watching that video for the first time i almost didn't expect it to come in that hard and just kind of threw everyone off. I mean, yeah. that's how you, that speed, that zip, zip in back of the net. I mean, that's how, that's how you put the biscuit in the basket in the playoffs. Absolutely. And then just to break down a little further, I do think the, if I had to point to one weakness for the Bruins, it's their, their depth on D. We knew kind of like that was the storyline all year. They did a great you mean job. Jared Tenorti is in good depth. So him and then uh, what's the other guy's name? Jeremy Lozon. Those guys have had a tough time this series. They really have. And Didn't you know, Lausanne have a huge giveaway in one of the games. Yeah, names? he did. He did. And you know, if you could say one thing about the Islanders, it's that you know they got decent depth. Like they have a pretty the way they've set up their lines, pretty spread out, right? The, the, yeah. There's not really a fourth line per se. They have a fourth line, but I mean, look at the minutes. In total minutes in the series, their number one forward has played 91 minutes. And their last four and Matt Martin's played 61 minutes. That's not that big of a difference, realistically, when you look at wow. it, right? Matt Martin's 61 minutes through five games. That's not like he's playing more than 10 minutes a game. So he's playing, playing 12 minutes a game, you know, like the, everyone plays. So there's always a chance, you know, to get is a little bit of on a, five or is that regular? That's all situations. Oh, wow. So that's why it's like, you know, at any point, there could be some sort of scoring threat on the ice against, you know, that bottom pairing D. So that. That's credit to Barry Trotz, though. He does a good job with his lines. He does a good job coaching in general. He has to. He, he wins. There's nothing else to say. But I, if you could tell, I'm trying to rack my brain around how they win. I'm trying to think, figure out theory. If anyone has a theory, please tell me. I think Barry Trotz can get people to just run through walls for him. He just seems like one of those coaches who is like good motivator. Other than that, I really Imagine don't know. giving up on him. That was rough by Washington. That was really rough. But after winning Stanley Cup. Yeah, he had no contract, and they just let him go. And they said, nope, because he wanted too much, apparently. <laughs> but I remember that situation. Before the playoffs even started, it was rumored, like, Barry Trotz is out, unless he makes it past the third round. And then he made it past the third round. And won the Cup. And farther. And they're still like, mm. 
tight grip on the wallet. It's unfortunate. But, yeah. Guys to watch in this series? Uh, oh, I get I get to go first. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I love David Pasternak. Mm-hmm. Just the swag that he has, his style. Walking in today with the green suit. A couple goals just from one tease in the circles. Not even that great of a scoring area, but he makes it the scoring area just because he's able to hammer it so so well. I mean, fortunately missed that open net earlier. Oh, he's got it up on the we got it up on the screen right now. Look at that. Oh, hope that's not. Uh oh, was that Starbucks? He's a Dunkin' guy. A little mm. problematic there, but yeah, a hundred percent. David Pasternak is just so such an electric hockey player to watch. He's play. just terrific. Oh yeah, really, he is. It's a pleasure to watch him play. I'm gonna go with a more unsung guy. This is one of my favorite underrated pickups from the offseason was Craig Smith. He just works perfectly on that second line beside Krejci and Taylor Hall. He He's a dirty work guy, but he also produces a lot of chances on net, which I like. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. He doesn't have the best shot. It's not like he's shooting 15% every year. He's a pretty low shooting percentage. He gets a lot of pucks on net, though. And he does a really good job at sustaining pressure in his own. It's that perfect cycle, second line winger. Like What people think Nick Foligno was going to be for... Toronto is what Craig Smith has been for Boston. And he's been good all year. He's been good his whole career, really. Kind of unsung hero in Nashville all those years. Jumbled up with all the other kind of second-line talent-type forwards they've had. And he's been great for them this series. He's been great for them throughout the whole playoffs. So that's a guy. There's a lot of more obvious guys, but I think he's kind of more of an unsung hero. So I'm going to go with a guy from New York. Let's go with Kyle Palmieri. Okay, Okay, Steve Simmons. Okay. Not and, and not because of Steve Sims. Prick that Shocker. Guy. Um, but Kyle Palmieri is uh he's been a great he's a he's a great player overall. Uh he's I, I think he's he leading their uh, in, in goals? Second, he probably in goals, leading probably second in, goal. in points. He said Pajol's first. But uh yeah, he's just he's just a good overall player and I think he's gonna he's he is gonna be one of the keys to New York winning is just his his offensive output is is great and good for Lou for picking him up for a first. It's I think one thing pointed out about him is he kind of had a rough year, and it was a lot of the analytics people were saying, you know, he's done. He was always a guy who rode a high shooting percentage to the crash came. And Jay Fresh on Twitter, who does great stuff, kind of pointed out, you know, like he was kind of showing he's still getting good chances, maybe just an unlucky year for him, maybe an outlier year, right? And he said he's a guy you can bet on because he has legit finishing talent. And what has he done so far? Finish. He's finished, and it's made a huge difference for the Islanders. So when everyone was kind of, you know, Harping on that deal, saying they gave too much. Jay Fresh was saying maybe, but watch this guy in the playoffs. He might finish for the Islanders, and he has. That's actually very – a lot of people were harping on that one. But the finishing ability – I put together some highlights for him. He started off really rough, and, I mean, on the actually two different Boston goalies were shutting him down on breakaways I saw I had in those in that video as well. But just his ability from in close to put it straight under the bar – Oh, my Lord. And, yeah, the dip in the shooting percentage. On top of this, it was a tough year to play hockey. It was. Especially it on really a team was. that was not – I mean, New Jersey was good, and then they they, they hit a – they had a they had a good start, I believe it was. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood was lights out, and then Mackenzie Blackwood ran into some injury sort of COVID troubles, and they were just it, – it's – I mean, it's tough. to When you can't go out, you can't – can't go to a bar, can't do anything, and you got to play for a garbage hockey team. It's it's tough on your on you mentally, and now to be playing in front of all these fans like it rejuvenates you, brings you life back. So 
It's a good pickup. Kyle Palmieri, he scores goals. What's your second? So uh, the second one is I since I'm a, I love narratives, so I'm gonna go for the other narrative. The second one is gonna be Taylor Hall, uh, the other deadline acquisition Ooh. for the other team, the Boston Bruins. He already has a fight in the series, which is I don't even know if Taylor Hall has ever fought in his career. I think he has. You think he has one or two maybe, maybe. fights? Guy who's not known for fighting, but you know what? He 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 wants to win, and he's shown it, and he's really injected into that Boston. Uh, that second line of Boston and has given them exactly what they needed. Uh, they turned them from a one line team into like a two almost first lines, like one super amazing first line, one almost first line with, uh, with him, Craig Smith and David Krejci. Um, yeah, he's, he's just a great, great, great guy at driving play transitions. Well, he's just a good overall player. I, I don't know how much there is to say about Taylor Hall. People will- speaking in narratives. I was seeing some people say he was a bad, he was a, cancer in the locker room no good bad attitude but it, it was like, like where it. are you getting this information from i don't know maybe because he, he just played on crappy teams his entire career it's like exactly like how can, you, how can you blame him on that but funny funny enough one thing that also we didn't forgot to mention about boss like they're playing the gritty islanders they're those are some dirty plays from boston Nick Ritchie hitting, elbowing Scott Mayfield in the head there. I, I, I think it was Jeremy Wagner's cross-check in the head over there. Like, those are some dirty plays there. And, and their coach was and they got, complaining they about got the penalties. And they got wrung out on the penalties there. Yeah. They, were, they were complaining about the penalties. There was one. Pellick did knock that into the, into the yeah. stands. That should have been a penalty there. But And then Patrice Bergeron putting into the stands right after. That was Terrible. just kind of terrible but they have not been very disciplined i mean i think the league's going to review a couple of those and we could see Some a su- suspensions or fines so by the those. way taylor hall has one career nhl fight but he has an ahl fight believe it or not from the <laughs> oh lockout season it's kind of funny against who against is there a video antoine roussel oh my god that's a oh, we gotta find that video. i'm gonna watch that later um so my next pick Oh, this guy skipped right over me. Oh, my bad, my bad. I again, I'm going more of the unsung guys. This guy's gonna be a top level defenseman for the Islanders one day. But Noah Dobson runs their power play. He's got three power play assists, two primary assists. He, they kind of shelter him a bit at five on five, but th- that's also by design because they have a pretty solid top pairing that gets the most of the tough minutes. Right? Th- that could be another suggestion as a top pairing for the Islanders. They. They play the tough, tough minutes against that top line. And even though they're getting some, like Marshawn scored, Pasta scored, but just those guys, how much they rely on them. But I think Noah Dobson has just, you know, given the responsibility to run that first power play. And even in the sheltered minutes, he's really good at moving the puck. Great skater for his size, really smooth, kind of a lankier frame. So he's not, I guess, the most intimidating presence for a guy that tall but he skates really well and he passes the puck extremely well. So that's one guy I was impressed with with this series and going forward, like his trajectory looks really good to be, you know, a potential top four D for them for a long time. Top four offensive D. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good one. Um, I guess, I mean, I've gabbed over a couple guys. I don't want to be throwing out repeats here, but um, I think Beauvillier has been, he's a fantastic player drafted in the same draft. As Matthew Barzell, if I'm not correct. Yep, you are correct. Wow. 
that's a couple quality additions right there. I mean, he's put up good points for them. Um, he is one of their upper upper kind of level guys, a younger ish yeah. sort of guy too. Higher skill, for yeah. Sure. Maybe second on the. T- I mean, Eberly obviously, but whatever. Top three. I'd say top three guys skill wise on their team. Oh, for sure. And just the way he's been able to play for them. I mean, it's a reason that they're they're kind of in it. I mean, it's funny overall just watching the Islanders play, where it's like. Get shelled, get shelled, get shelled, get shelled, transition the other way, bing, bang, boom, in the back of the net. Stupid. Yep. What a stupid sport this is. But anyways, yeah, that's my other pack. Beauvillier, we did all our two. Yeah. Our Hopefully two that's a decent catch-up on the series for you guys. I mean, if you haven't been watching, kind of what's happened so far. So Also, just to let you know, the winner of this series wins the trade deadline. That's wow. how it always goes. Oh, the narrative. The narrative always yeah. is like whoever. That's that's yeah. Just, yeah. It's just a joke. Sure. No, no, I like it. You're right, though. That's what's <laughs> going to be said. And then uh, compared to Nick Foligno, inevitably, whoever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we'll end it off with some rat race. Yep. All right, love it. Um, two guys. Uh, got a couple points here. All right. So Montreal. I wrote this before because I was very confident in them winning. So let's go. Ready? Montreal wins a road game in the states. No. Yes. Yes. I'd say no. I, I honestly, I, I hope. I honestly hope Montreal. The odds would be for them to probably win one. Yeah. Right? That, like One? I, I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I, I would just hope because uh, I, I've just heard so much slander on the North Division this year, and I just I just hope they can prove people right, wrong. Put a percentage on it. Percentage of No, it's 50-50 they win one game on the road. One game? I... I, I 50-50 as well. But yeah. I'm just more optimistic. I'm gonna say no. It. I think they're I think there's a chance they get swept. So that'd be yeah, that's why I'm saying I'm saying no, it's yeah, a 30% no chance they win a game. Okay. I like that. I think that's very generous yeah. too. I mean it's gonna be interesting when those teams, you know, finally cross over. That's gonna be exciting to it's watch. Be a huge too. disadvantage for them having to go and play Vegas, Colorado, full barn, and then having to go back and play oh, Montreal. I don't think that. Montreal's opening up early enough. Mm. Yeah, so we'll that'll be really, really tough. But yeah. thankfully, it's going to be in the other series first. So maybe ease it. You get 50% capacity in Montreal, but who knows? we'll see on that one. Anyways, let's go quick, quick, quick. Colorado finishes off Vegas. Wow. Jason? I'm going to say yes, they do. I'm going to say no, they don't. I think Vegas wow. can go through. Maybe. I say yes, it's and I mean, it's more of a... Hopeful thing from what we've seen in the series simply because I really like the way that Colorado is built. Uh, there's so many different aspects to the way that they're built that is quite interesting, and I'd like to talk about that more. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? This is time for them to step up. They've obviously, the momentum, if we're talking momentum and narratives, it's swung to Vegas. Now the game's back to Colorado, so we'll see how they do in their own barn. Yeah, I yeah. mean, to go down 3-2 and then have to go back, back to Vegas. To Vegas. That'd be tough. Um just one thing, Vegas notoriously a bad team, or not a bad team, but an unlucky team when it comes to the playoffs, like not co- converting expected goals into goals. Maybe this is the this is the right. time where the yeah, luck catches up. Yeah, good one. You're right. Yep, very good point. Um, transitioning almost away from the NHL, but Andrew Manjapane's World Championship was a sign for things to come in the NHL. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like as he's a good player, is that weird? Yes. Yeah, he's a, I, I thought he was Jason's a, a massive I, Andrew. I, I honestly want the the least to acquire him at the devil. He's Bolton, a massive Ontario's fan. finest. He's he's he great. was awesome. Honestly, I watched eater. I watched Team Canada play before he came. They were playing out playing teams. They were shooting at like two percent 
Shout out to Mike Johnson. He was fantastic on the broadcast. As usual. Just as you, just very candid comments. Very uh, the ref, when the refing was terrible, he said this refing is horrible. These calls are awful. Um, when players were complaining about calls unnecessarily, he was calling them out as well. It was pretty funny. But he was he mentioned that as well. Canada was shooting at two percent. This is not sustainable. I think it was less than two percent. This is not sustainable. You'll see them put the buck in the net more. Manjapani came into the lineup. What does he do? Scores goals. Yep. And he yeah. played awesome. Little Second analytic one. star like he is. Oh, yeah. The analytic community loves him. Sorry. Uh, last one, Connor Brown's World Championship was a sign for things to come. In case you didn't know, game win- gold medal winning assist and led the tournament in points. Uh, no, he's, his peak was probably the last two years. That, you took the words out of my mouth. It also doesn't make sense for him to keep <gasps> playing over some of the other guys they have, right? It's almost like he's going to have to take a second, you know. Yeah. Backseat to the other guys they got. Small thing, I saw the most galaxy brain take on Twitter that someone said that he would do better on Austin Matthews' wings than Mitch Martin. Yeah, I saw that too. That was insane. Because he can jam pucks in near the net. Like, Hyman did that so well in our series, man. When he was in Toronto, people were so upset whenever he played with Matthews. It was the end of the world. It's like, how is this guy playing with Matthews? Well, yeah, because he did so much nothing in Toronto. He didn't hit... He didn't score. He didn't get assists. Consistently, his stat line was 16 minutes played, 0 0 0 0 0 0 0 And you know what? I'm happy he's found his way in Ottawa and that he's doing well there and yeah, that he has exactly. a gold medal to his name. We, we can't We can't. every guy that leaves the Leafs and does decent, you can't be like, oh, we should have kept him. That's What is this FOMO we have of every yeah, player we trade? Insane. Like, I don't understand. Like, Connor Brown was where Twitter's hilarious when it's like, oh, I, I, re- I, I saw at the beginning of the year, I really think we should get Mark Piszczek. Or piss shit or whatever the fuck <laughs> his name is. No, we don't need what? him. We don't need. How your did niche. we have two? I saw Mark one person. Piss it was like, references. yeah, it's Riley Nash. Riley Nash season. Riley Nash over. I think I saw Riley Nash over Alex Kerfoot. Like that's just embarrassing, dude. How about watch them before you make these stupid statements? Um, I had another one. Boston. Uh, Boston beats the New York Islanders. Yes. I'm betting a hopeful yes as well. I, yeah, I, can't stand I, I hate the to Islanders. say it, but I, I hate, honestly hate, I, I hate bo- the Bruins. I hate, 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 hate Lou Lamorello. I hate the Boston Bruins, everything that is them. But honestly, like I, I can't help but love what they did at the deadline. So I hope they win. All right. I think we got some interesting points there. I'm out of points. Quick shout out to Mike Riley, who's been absolutely yeah, That's another guy them. we should have like, shouted out for. Like uh, Honestly, the biggest biggest deal of the deadline by far, third round pick. They gave third, a third round pick. Absolutely insane. For absolutely nothing. And yeah. he like yeah that that like I don't know why they let um, Zdeno Chara walk Boston, the Boston Bruins because their their decor is honestly horrendous other than Charlie McAvoy Brand, the, the the next best guy would be Brandon Carlo who's not not good at all honestly yeah so, and he's injured good, too good thing they got uh, Mike Ryder. good point yeah good point Mike Grizzlick or whatever his name is oh, yeah Gri- sorry I for, I forgot Grizzlick and if Leach is listening to this he's gonna rip my head off. <laughs> There he is. A nice assist on the screen right there. Overtime winner. Because he's, he's been hurt all year. That's why I forgot about him. I'm gonna make That's that true. Excuse, but yeah. That's true. You had a point, Josh? Finish her off? Ideally, we get a Tampa-Colorado final. That's all I want to say. That would be a terrific, terrific Stanley Cup final. Just puck movement. Yep. Ooh. Exactly. Analytics. <laughs> we'll close it off there. I mean, in my closing statement... We hope to get talking to the, about the Leafs once again, but I think you'll agree from the stupid, nonsensical, galaxy brain, is Mitch Marner golfing moronic nonsense 
we don't need to be talking about them. A break is good. Like, unless we're following them on the golf course, there's no need to be talking about them right now. A break is good. Learn about the other 31 or other teams in the NHL. And when it's over, it's going to come quick. Because, again, this is a... We're going deeper into the summer as well. So the draft's going to be really quick after yeah. the season. Then free agency is going to be quick after that. And the so. expansion draft. Well. And the expansion. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Got, coming our way. Yep, and then we got prospects, pool, and yeah. all of that coming as well. Expansion draft. That's going to be huge. Lots to talk about. But for now, let's let them rest. All go right. Leafs, go. Take care, everyone.